0: Good, good, the coming king. I am so excited about this topic. It is so right for us to end on this topic, the coming king. And uh, those of you that had your lesson and got a chance to go through some of these scriptures from Isaiah, um, it, it just opened doors of images that sometimes we don't really think about too much. But uh, it, it, it was like just opening a crack to some great adventure, and I couldn't stand it. I just had to keep opening doors. I remember when I was about maybe seven, and it was about a month before Christmas, I did notice that my, my mom's closet door was slightly opened, and there high on the shelf was um, yet-to-come packages. And I tried to resist, but I didn't. I got them all down and investigated the whole pack of them, and I kind of felt like that happened this week. I um, I, I felt like this study just opened uh, the door to this wonderful thing we call eternity, and made me have holy curiosity. And so I printed out. Forty-four scriptures from the New Testament besides the gospel and read them all. And then I went back to the gospels and printed out all those. What did Jesus say about eternity? And there were a few that just captured my attention. And one of those was that moment in, in the book of Acts where it begins the book of Acts and Jesus is now going to leave. And they ask him a question. They say, Lord when will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the seasons which the Father's put in his authority, but you'll receive the Holy Spirit in the meantime, and he'll come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while... They watched. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven?" This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Just like they used to say on Star Trek, beam me up. Scotty, (laughs) beam me up. I want to go, don't you? Heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is a wonderful place. I'm going to see my Savior's face. For heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Heaven is a wonderful place. So, we're just going to stand up. Look at the clouds behind. And we're going to let the Lord transport us and just raise us above this weary world that we've been traveling in. And we're going to play that wonderful song I can only imagine. Yes.
1: Cheering. Only imagine You say, surrounded by your glory. And I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. And I can only imagine.
0: I can hardly imagine a more beautiful sight than watching you imagine. Does our souls good, doesn't it? It does our souls good. And we need this amazing theme, the coming King. And Lord, we pray that you will. Your presence will be strong here tonight. So strong by your spirit ministering to us. Shaking away the dust of this world that clings to us. That settles in our thought. That settles in our soul. That settles in our attitude. God, we want to be lifted up. We want our eyes up with our imagination being filled with the glory that awaits us. For we pray in Jesus' name. And they all said... Amen. The coming king, again, is our topic tonight. And as we started with this imagination, this real picture of what's before us, for as the new heavens and the er- new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And we were asking in this study, to be curious, to have holy curiosity as we, we looked up scriptures, as we pondered these real realities, that we would ask ourselves, God, what do we learn about you? Because that's ever so important always. About your reign that is eternal. What do we learn about the new heaven and the earth? And how did these truths impact And they should impact us like a rocket. They should shake us loose to these deep tentacles that we put in this earth. Sometimes our roots go down into this earth a little too deep. And we feel like it's permanent. How do these truths affect our way of thinking? In just the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7... Jesus mentioned heaven, how many times do you think? Three? Seven? Twenty times? In three chapters. In the book of Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus mentions heaven, how many times do you think? Seventy-five! Seventy-five times! I think that's a lot, don't you? That's really a lot. Truly, heaven was on the heart of Jesus and on his mind as a reality, a real reality that shaped all that he said and all that he did. This reality of heaven shaped the way that he faced each day. It shaped the way that he viewed people. It shaped the way of his views of hardship and this temporal life here on earth. Truly, heaven was important to him. And truly, he wanted us to know that heaven is a real place. It is indeed. Life here on earth, on the other hand, is temporary. James asks us in the fourth chapter of James a compelling question he says come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life that's the compelling question for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Truly, life is short. What is your life here on earth? It's just a vapor. This can be bad news, or it can be good news. It can be bad news if you have the philosophy, as I saw on a bumper sticker, life is tough, and then you die. (laughs) That would be bad news (laughs) if you don't know Jesus. Or it can be good news when we remember that Jesus said, Don't. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't do that. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, you may be always. Let me repeat these important words and we must remember when they were spoken. They were spoken by Jesus on his last night here on earth. The last night of his life, John 14, verses 1 through 3. It was that Thursday night. In less than 24 hours, it would then be what we now call Good Friday. Before sunset, Jesus would say these words, It is finished. Just 33 years was the time set for his life clock. So short a life. He knew that the last grains of sand in the hourglass of his life were slipping right away when he spoke these. And so he said to those he loved, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't do it. Don't. Because in my Father's house, there's many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But I'll come again, and I will take you to where I am. Because that's your ultimate destination. Again, heaven is a wonderful place. Why? Because that's where we'll see our Savior's face. Right now, right now, we do see through a glass dimly. It's a little foggy. It is. I did read 44 scriptures in the New Testament besides just the Gospels. Then I went to the Gospels and read about 25 there. And I went over and over the scriptures in Isaiah. It's still a little fuzzy (laughs) because it's too big. Our mind, our finite natural mind, even our born-again mind, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has even entered into the hearts of us the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's incredibly, incredibly good news. Our Savior is real. Our Redeemer is real. Heaven is real. Time as we know it is temporary. Eternity, the glorious reign of our great king will last forever. And though as then as Francis Schaeffer once said, in light of this, child of God, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? If that is all very real and true, I will be completely honest. I feel like I have slipped. I have. I have lost that wonderful looking up perspective that I had when I was a baby Christian. When I was a baby Christian in the late 1960s, there was a group called the Love Song, And they sang a song, and I played it probably a thousand times. Maranatha, Maranatha, the Lord is coming back. The Master's coming home. We must prepare our hearts so we can meet him. Maranatha, Maranatha, the Master's coming home. We must be filled with love so we can truly greet him. We kept looking up, and we wondered, when, Lord, when? Larry Norman sang a song. Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the world grew cold. A piece of, a bag of gold, no, a piece of bread, Could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. We sang that song a lot too. In the late 60s and all the way to the early 80s, we had bumper stickers on our cars that said, Jesus is coming soon. Kay Smith from Calvary Costa Mesa, often taught about having an eternal perspective. Those words were always present in every message that I ever heard her give. In fact, once they had a women's retreat, and they called it, In a Moment, in a Twinkling of an Eye, and it talked about the rapture, And what would be the centerpiece decorations on your dining room tables in the dining hall? What do you think? They were empty tennis shoes. (laughs) Empty tennis shoes. To give you the imagination of what would it be like if we were raptured and taken up? Would our shoes be left behind? Would there be a little puddle of clothes (laughs) on the floor? What would that really be like? good for us to think about that. Tim LaHaye wrote the Left Behind series, which, if you've read it, is about the people and the events that might happen, speculating, after Christians are raptured. As a young Christian, when we parted friends, when friends were together and, and we parted, maybe we knew we wouldn't be able to see each other for weeks or months or maybe years, we would often say, Here, there, or in the air. Say it with me. Here, there, or in the air. Yeah, we said it all the time. And if we got a dent in our car, or if something broke, we would say, it's going to burn. It's just going to burn. That was an eternal perspective. Good for us. It was good for us. Billy Graham said he often went to bed with a prayer, Lord, is this the night? And if it wasn't, which it hasn't been yet, he would wake up in the morning and say, Lord, is this the day? But honestly, honestly, and I'll be completely honest, there are days, and quite honestly, there are months when I don't even think about heaven. I don't doesn't even cross my mind. I mean, Jesus does. I want to be about his business. But the the reality of heaven and eternal is slipped. So that's what this night is all about. Maranatha, Maranatha, the master is coming home. And we must prepare our hearts so we can greet him. I think I've told this story before, but when I was growing up, when I was a kid, my mom always worked, and um, she always expected us to have the house clean when she got home. And she got home about 5.30, so about 5.25, 525 we would post somebody at the window, and we could see way down the road. When she rounded the corner, we could see way up at the top of the hill her little red car. And whoever was the lookout would then start screaming, and it would be like a Chinese fire drill, where we would be scampering around and trying to put this messy house all back together. And I so remember the vivid look on my mom's face when she walked in the door quite often. It wasn't mad, it was sad. She was disappointed. And we don't want to be ashamed at his coming, do we? We don't want that emotion. We want to say, yay, Jesus. And we want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We want him to be smiling. We want his heart to feel like we're putting up the banners. And we're so eagerly waiting. So let's get a rough layout of some of these exciting events. When you go to the movies, I insist on never being late. I must be very early so I can watch the previews. I love the previews. I just love them. They're so great. And we need that because it does make us excited about what's coming next. We need that. So here's some questions. What is The rapture of the church? What is the millennium? And when will heaven, what will heaven be really like? Paul once said regarding heaven, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed, not just to us, but in us. So all of this is important. The sufferings of this present time, and some of you are suffering. I don't want to minimize that. It's real, but it's not worthy. It is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. We're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. Paul, as he sat in a prison cell, he wrote, for our citizenship, it's in heaven. That's where we really belong. This uneasy feeling, this groaning that we sometimes have with life here on earth, that's just not right. Why is that? Because it's just not right. And that's why we groan. Because we don't really belong Here, our spirit is alive now, longing for our real home, and our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, who will say, Amen and Hallelujah. Yes, (laughs) come quickly, Jesus. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. We're going to look good. Whatever we look like. I want wings. But other than that, I don't care. As long as I have wings, I'm good. Be conformed to his glorious body according to the work of by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. So back to our questions. What are these things like? So I'm going to give you a kind of thumbnail sketch of these pieces, and I'll just give you what, what Calvary Chapel has traditionally believed and taught. Concerning our doctrine of last things or end times, we are pre millennial, and pre-tribulational. This view is commonly referred to as dispensationalism. That's a long word. This means that while we believe Jesus can and may come at any time or any moment, and only God knows when that will be, we believe that before he comes to set up his thousand-year kingdom on earth, which is referred to in our Isaiah study, there will be a seven-year tribulation. So here's the thousand-year reign on earth, where the lion will lay down with the lamb. Before that, there is a seven-year tribulation period that ends with the bodily return of Jesus to the earth. Sometime prior to the beginning of that seven-year tribulation period, perhaps immediately before it begins, Jesus will rapture his church, and both the dead and the living in Christ at that time will be caught up to meet and forever be with the Lord. While we may wait with eager expectation for the unemolent rapture of the church, we also believe that speculation about exactly when Christ will rapture the church is fruitless because it is unknowable for the church. The goal for us, God's children and devout believers, is to always be ready because he is coming at a time when we think. Not. The proper goal for every believer is to live a godly life in Christ from the day they come to faith until the the day he returns for them, wherever they may be. Pastor Chuck died, um, well, it's over a year ago, in October. Next October it will be two years And one of the things that I thought as he, as um, I went for a walk that morning and looked up at the clouds, I thought he always dreamed that he would go up in the rapture, but he's not disappointed because he had his own personal, he had his own personal rapture. There it is. And so good for him. The millennium. What is that? It's described as a period of a thousand years during which Satan is bound and the resurrected saints reign with Christ before the final judgment. So the rapture, what does that really look like? It is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's take a peek at that. Is this exciting or what? 1 Thessalonians, chap- Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant. Let me read that again. I do not want you to be ignorant. Thus, we're talking about this tonight because we don't want to be ignorant, do we? We want to be knowledgeable or expectant on these things. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those th- those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. Some of you have lost moms or dads or sisters or brothers. Some of you may have lost children. God doesn't want you to be Ignorant lest you have sorrow that's way too deep. We're to have hope. If we we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this I say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, And remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Track with me now. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. My dear little mom, she gets to go first. Hallelujah. Lucky her. And she should, because she had to die. But those of us who aren't died, (laughs) who haven't died, when the rapture comes, then this is what will happen with us. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's a great comfort. It's a great comfort to me regarding my mom who's so dear that when she rises, then I'll be caught up to her and I'll say, Hey, Mom, you look good. <laughs> be awesome. It'll be wonderful. Now, there's different views about when that happens. Some Christians believe in pre-tribulation rapture. And that would be us, or most of us, And that's before the tribulation that we get to go first. Yay, I like that one. I'm glad we believe in that one. There's other Christians that that believe in mid-tribulation. They believe that in the middle of the tribulation, that's when the rapture will occur. And some Christians believe at the end of the tribulation. So is that, are those fighting words? Not at all. You know, when we go up before the, tribulation and we see our post tribulation friends going up at the same time we can say told you so <laughs> no we won't we won't say that that would be very rude no what no you know what it, it 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 will be exciting it will be exciting And it's not something to defy the brethren about. It's something to be excited about. Because whether you believe pre, mid, or post, you believe that we're going to be caught up in the clouds because, why? Because God says so. Because God says so. That is a real reality for us. And that is the rapture, the millennium. We touched upon that in our study in Isaiah eleven six through 11, is one of our scriptures on day one. And it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. That's amazing. A cow and a bear? And the young ones shall lie together, and the lions shall eat straw instead of sheepies. And that's good. What a wonderful scripture this is. What a wonderful reality. As I shared last week, when I was in New Zealand, I wanted to pet a lamb, and finally I found a lamb that I could pet. In the millennium, we'll able, be able to pet elephants. And giraffes and lions and zebras and bears. Woohoo. Lions and zebras and bears. Woohoo. So I mean it'll be great fun. Because this is what happened. When sin entered the world, the world became upside down. It became not what it really was supposed to be. This was supposed to be the reality from day one, forever that all the animals would love us. And we would just have this wonderful, amazing time. Plus, people will get along. Not just the animals, but the people will get along. And that will be the big miracle. And here's why. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. That is the key. Here on earth for a thousand years, the meek shall inherit the earth because the whole earth will be just saturated with the presence of God, saturated with the love of God, saturated of knowing him as he really is, that sweet, loving, amazing, I love people, God. God loves monkeys and puppies and zebras and you. It will be where the world has turned right side up for a whole thousand years. And that will be the bottom line. And the Gentiles will seek him. And his resting place shall be glorious. That's what we saw in our study. In these amazing scriptures that dealt with the millennium. It will be a glorious thing. I want to be part of it. I want to be there. And then heaven. Heaven is what we closed with in our study. And we were instructed... After we read Isaiah 65, that says, Behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. We're to be glad and rejoice forever. And that's the reality in heaven. Because, you know, joy comes, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And Christians should be the most joyful, peaceful, sweetest, gentlest, just kindest people on the planet. And joy will be part of what we will experience to the depths of our soul. There will be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain. And we were instructed to look up in in our scripture to go to the end of the Bible and look up Revelation, chapter 1. Uh, no, chapter 21, right? Okay, I'm turning my pages here. Wherever it was, I think I've lost my page, but chapter 21 of Revelation. And uh, your goal was to journal, and I wrote out the whole chapter. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to write out these incredible words because when we write them out, then the concepts and the pictures and the definitions and the words just paint a vivid picture and they go from just a passing view. They go down deep into our thoughts and then they go down deep into our hearts. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. We're going to see our Savior's face. For heaven is a wonderful place. Lord, we just thank you, God. We pray as we talk in our groups and, and just ponder this wonderful reality. We'll realize that you'll be there, but we'll be there together. And Lord, as I look out at this sea of faces, and so many of these faces are so Dear to me, I want to spend eternity with them. I don't want one person to be left out. Lord, we just thank you that at the end of the day, we won't go home. We'll just still stay and have all of this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful hope in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. God bless you.